I, I realized how limiting my beliefs were, um, especially in, in my most depressive states. Mm-hmm. I, I realized how caged in and, and I realized that my life didn't bring me joy. It didn't bring me happiness. I was subject to whatever somebody told me I should do. I found my own identity uh, through the process of making those videos. I think understanding my joy, understanding my gratitude, my love, my empathy, just connecting with those elements of my life, I realized who I truly was. Right. And when I see people on the day-to-day who aren't realizing their true self, they're also not able to give their true gift. Sure, sure. So it's kind of whatever challenge comes ahead of me, is it's worth it for me to allow that for people. Because I'm also allowing it for myself. People are fascinating, especially up close. More especially when you get them talking about the things that they love. This is From the Hip, conversations in the service of passion, purpose, and play. I'm Adrienne Gunn. You ready to play? Today on From the Hip, I'm sitting with Christopher Franklin, actor, model, and host of Live in Portland, as well as Lost in Portland podcast. Oh, man. So, Chris, hi. Hello. Welcome to this space. I feel welcomed. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. I got to do some Googling. I didn't do, like, intense Googling. Yeah. Because I think think you you know how I like to not necessarily prepare. Yeah. It's really a deep value Mm -hmm. to be unprepared for things. But um, I did find your model (laughs) profile on Instagram. That seems to uh, shock a lot of people. Does it? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so the thing is, I like I know you have a podcast or several mm-hmm. several shows you do, and then apparently you're a model. Yeah. I love yeah. I love how you can be a guy and have a tasteful shirtless photo. Oh, thank you. I, I appreciate that. Right? <laughs> I don't think I could. I don't I don't think many women could have a a tasteful, tasteful Okay. I I see where you're going photo. with that. Well, we got to free the nipple for that. <laughs> Um, for sure, that needs to happen. You know, it's, I say it's shocking because in a lot of ways, I'm emulating a character in my modeling. So a lot of people know me. I love to be in the outdoors. I love to travel. Like when I'm on the day to day, like on the streets, I'm not particularly worried about fashion. Sure. But I dress up really nice, mm-hmm. or according to my clients. So yeah, yeah it's uh, it's been a career that's actually fueled a lot of my creative endeavors, and uh, it's I've enjoyed it completely. When did you get to to do that? So I, like, like I'm thinking, of my grandmother mm-hmm. when I was tiny. Now, super racist, by the way, my grandmother <laughs> okay. and my grandfather, and that's. It's not the worst thing about them, mm-hmm. but okay. <laughs> but they're also very loving and beautiful people when they were alive. You mm-hmm. know, mixed bag. But she mm-hmm. kept wanting to get me into modeling when I was little and had a giant underbite. And yeah. that was like, she, she just kept trying to like take, take photos and get me out there. And so I had like this much exposure to like maybe modeling world, but it wasn't apparently my path yet. Yeah, yeah. How do you, how do I, you get in there? Well, <laughs> yeah, it was... Uh... I know I was in college and 
I was, I've always been an athlete my whole life. And those were like things that I was really good at, but I knew I didn't want to pursue basketball, mm-hmm. you know, until they didn't draft me in the NBA. Uh, I was also really good at uh, volleyball, but it's just, it was something that I would have to be in college for like six years. Cause it was like eight units, you know, per semester just for volleyball. Yeah. So like, I knew I didn't want to pursue sports, but I love to work out. I love to challenge my body. And I was thinking either I could be a personal trainer or I could be a model, you know, to like influence me to continue to pursue my physique goals. Right. And so I was in pretty good shape. My friend recently had a photo shoot done and I was like, hey, can you get that photographer to shoot me? It's my first uh, photo shoot. We came out with some awesome images. And they're then the hard part of casting still to this day is always like going to your auditions. Yeah. Yeah. So I would first submit my pictures on Craigslist and then I learned that story very quickly. That's not the way to go. <laughs> and then I started submitting my pictures to agencies and mm-hmm. they'd, they'd ask me to come in and I kind of worked my way up through the agencies. So, I mean... A beginning model, I tended to work with beginning agencies. They'd get me some auditions, I'd book some, and uh, as that grows, I built my resume, and then it became easy to approach agencies like, this is the work I've done, Mm -hmm. kill auditions, I could come in confidence, you know, like, uh, it it allowed me to uh, kind of channel this energy that I had inside me. Yeah. Because I, I think I've always been a little shy, just kind of like not wanting to be in front of camera, not wanting to be in front of a huge audience. And uh, another factor is I saw that fear directly in my face and it was something I can engage with. Yeah. Like I could approach that fear and, and realize like no matter what, if I have a bad audition, if I look bad on camera, I'm still going to be fine at the end of the day. Yeah. And and that was like kind of like the first thing to like approach my fears. Like I'm going to be okay after, you know, after whatever chaos is happening in my mind. So I want to slow that down because cause at this point that whatever that fear was and shyness about cameras, mm-hmm. maybe you still have it. Do you still have it? I would say no. Okay. Yeah. So do you remember what you chose to do instead with the fear? Do you remember in yeah. the early days? Yeah, how do it, well, yeah, 101, addressing the camera as a friend. So a lot of the times, like, I'd even call it by my friend's name, like, yeah. in my head. So, like, this friend? Yeah, so Corey was uh, one of my first friends who <laughs> I turned into a camera, but it, it, an actual real friend. Yeah. And, and someone who I have, you know, a lot of energy towards and so when I could look into the camera I could see Corey and I could give him eyes of fear love like all those things and and working in a progression from that like now I just you learn not to address them mm-hmm. you know in, in most things it's, it's yeah, act yeah. as though the camera's not in the room yeah yeah and that's when you get your best work it's so. funny because just ooh, was it a week ago Mm-hmm. We go or so. There was a, there was, I was at an event. I happened to know hypnosis. I was at an event and there was oh. a gentleman who was having shyness 
and having an ab reaction to the sound of his voice in a microphone. And I joked mm -hmm. over headset that, like, you know, give me five minutes and alone time, and I can have him, I can hypnotize him into having a different relationship, into yeah. loving his voice in the microphone. And what was hilarious oh, interesting. is that, like, an hour or so later, I'd made that joke, mm -hmm. and somebody's like, hey, you still up for doing hypnosis? And the, the, the guy took me up on it. And yeah. part of what I helped him establish, one of the, one of the actual skills and techniques is to to have that friend there mm -hmm. and get very specific about who that is, who the person is that is in your front row or in your audience so that the moment you speak, you know that their heart lights up and that energy is in the room and lights you up. And, yeah. I, and, I, and I had him connect with that. And so you had your Corey friend. Yeah. I read somewhere, I think it's somebody who's like a professional blogger, talks about having the idea of the audience of one yeah, totally. And getting very specific. So I know that, that we're connected to a whole bunch of entrepreneurs and creative people who get that video is part of what's asked of them. Yeah. And they have issues around the camera. And, and yeah. I, that is one of the best techniques of making the camera uh, someone dear to you. And not just totally. someone dear, but someone who don't, like, really loves whatever you have to offer, gives totally. you great feedback and energy. It's a, it's a good relationship. Although I imagine that there are some people who use the like the negative version, like I'm gonna show you, Uncle Billy. Oh, Uncle Billy. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. whoever. Well, you know what? <laughs> it's funny because it, it has progressed from people I love to actually now I understand recording because I've done so many things, like either commercials, TV shows, now I'm doing my own show live in Portland. But with the podcast, I'm actually addressing future me with the contents of my mind now mm -hmm. is, is kind of how I address it. Nice. So it's, it's able, being able to be in the moment so much that I can actually take a snapshot of where I am in my life. And I know, you know, whether it's a week from now or 10 years from now, I'm going to be able to look back on that mm -hmm. or it may come back to me and I could be like, oh my gosh, that was 2018 that, you know, I was going through all these things and it, it's amazing to see myself rise to the occasion, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. I've been doing a little of that too. Yeah. Like I, even when I, one of the earliest things is I started turning a camera around to capture, you know, two minute thoughts I was having, mm -hmm. I was doing it as a reminder. It was like, kind of like making notes, note-taking for myself. So like, mm -hmm. I sometimes forget this magical thing about breathing. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's important. <laughs> so I'm going to do this quick video about breathing so that just in case mm -hmm. I forget. And I see yeah. this two years from now, it's a reminder. And those pop up yeah. on Facebook. It's pretty funny, like, yeah. like a marker of, or having learned something and mastered something. Yeah. Just like, boom. Yeah. Having it instead of instead of like journal or diary entries. Yeah. Um, so the creation of Lost in Portland, which is my company, the creation was when I moved to Oregon. When was that? Uh, five years ago. Okay. I moved from Southern California. Everybody would tell me that I was going to get depressed. The weather was going to get me down. Yeah. I was in kind of a difficult uh, relationship with my then wife, who was going to medical school. So that's taking up all of her time. I kind of felt alone mm -hmm. when I moved up here. And I knew my relationship with depression and I could feel it coming. And I said, not now. 
Yeah. I'm going to pursue the things that make me happy. And in that, I created 15-second videos because uh, Instagram allowed you to do 15-second videos. Yeah. I do 15-second videos of places I would find my joy each nice. and every day. Yes. And so even still to this day, like I'll go back to the page. And it's literally every single day of my life I'm finding something new and going out and like spending like three hours trying to do find something that will bring me joy. Mm -hmm. I, I say kind of like the woohoo moments. Like yeah. I'd yell now, but it'd be awkward. But like you, <laughs> I don't know, you know if I set it up I mean? for the yelling. <laughs> you know what I mean? Moments, like yeah. like just those moments of just pure bliss and joy. And I realize when you seek those moments, you find them more often. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. I love that you used Instagram for that. Yeah. <laughs> I was avoiding Instagram because I'm not really a photo I'm not really mm -hmm. that visual. Mm -hmm. And when a friend got me uh, kind of hooked, I decided to specifically use Instagram to find beautiful things in that same state of understanding that I was focusing a bit too much on the things I didn't want to see in my own life and in the world. And I was like, wait, what if I deliberately go out and, and make myself take like a walk for 15 minutes and find something beautiful, take a photo of. Mm -hmm. And then and then I kept doing that on purpose and shifting. Yeah. So your your show, I don't know how you describe this because it seems <laughs> like there's a podcast and a show and then yeah. there's many this project. There, it's a project, yeah. Started sure. as a as a way to you for you to connect to joy. Correct. Yeah. 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 And 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 still to this day it's it's lived true to that. Um, I've, I've, for Lost in Portland, I've made my own apparel. We, yeah, we've had we've had a successful podcast that I'm really excited to uh, get back into. Um, but like the latest and greatest is the Live in Portland show, and it means so much to me because you know you and I are kind of in the in the same field. Is we recognize the strengths in other people, mm -hmm. and we want to really highlight that. And I think about, you know, people's psyche in Portland. I see a lot of, I almost want to say overachieving creatives. Okay. Like they're, they're doing so much, but they're, they're so insular. Like there's a self-consciousness here. And I really wanted to give them the opportunity to like talk and be proud of the work that they've done. Because it, it seemed as though no one was going to ask me what I wanted to do, you know, or, yeah. or what I was trying to accomplish. Mm -hmm. So when I sit down with somebody, I, I get to ask, like, tell me all about it. Yeah. And in a lot of ways, it's fulfilling for myself. Like, it, that's a selfish deed of, of like, <laughs> pulling out, you know, I guess, like, what we're speaking into. Because a lot of these, these projects, a lot of the creative entrepreneurs and the creative artists, they still have things in their mind that they haven't put on paper. Yeah. And so they could speak it into existence on my show. And then I could help reinforce those things. So it almost changes trajectory, you know, if, if they weren't asked to be on the show and they're feeling a little down, they may quit that project. I want to keep those projects going because yeah, yeah. I think they could, they could do so much for Portland. So you're saying that part of what you were wanting to achieve with the show is helping to keep artists yeah the flow flowing. going yeah yeah well how the heck did you learn that that was something that you were good at or interested in do you um, remember 
I mean, it, it goes back to addressing fears. I realized how limiting my beliefs were, um, especially in, in my most depressive states. Mm-hmm. I, I realized how caged in and, and I realized that my life didn't bring me joy. It didn't bring me happiness. I was subject to whatever somebody told me I should do. Um, I found my own identity uh, through the process of making those videos. I think uh, understanding my joy, understanding my gratitude, um, my love, my empathy, uh, just connecting with those elements of my life I realized who I truly was. Right. And when I see people on the day-to-day who aren't realizing their true self, they're also not able to give their true gift. Sure. So it's kind of whatever challenge comes ahead of me, is it's worth it for me to allow that for people. Because I'm also allowing it for myself. Totally. Yeah. So here's one of the things. So I was on your show... Just Monday? Yeah. Is it just yeah, yeah. Monday? Monday? Yeah. So fun. <laughs> and I got to witness the show the week before because mm-hmm. a friend of mine was playing music on it. And there's the thing that, so there's an energy and that was a beautiful thing to find. But there's something that I think that you were able to cultivate and, and you'll eventually check out <laughs> live in Portland and lost in Portland. Here's the thing that I found most fascinating. And I wonder if you know how you accomplished this. Okay. I walked in. And there were four or five different people wandering around in your crew, mm-hmm. setting up the cameras, playing around, and like. And so the second time I went there, I started talking to these guys, and I recognized that they are there because they wanted to play with you. <laughs> totally. Right. Yeah. And I don't know if I don't know how your entrepreneuring has gone. Yeah. I know a lot of solo entrepreneurs and creatives and artists that don't necessarily have a community. It can be a lonely process to be working on a project and doing something in the world. And I'm very curious about how you've cultivated this group of happy people willing to show up and and play each time. It's a a phenomenal thing. It's really good feedback. I, I love everybody on set and I feel amazing gratitude um, because we're still we're still launching like as far as financial gain that's not really the place to be right now yeah but i've known my vision for a very long time and whatever's gotten in front of me i'm gonna keep on doing it um i think they probably see that in mm-hmm. me um as as a leader or as somebody at the helm of the ship i'm gonna keep on going and I'm going to keep on going regardless. Yeah. And, and a lot of it, I love that we do the show live because it is kind of an example of that. Whatever comes, I'm going to find a way to make the best of it. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I want to create opportunities, not only for myself, but everybody involved. And I always believe that when people live within their passion, they contribute so much to their community. So when it comes to my friends helping out, I really want to hone in on what they're passionate about or what they love to do mm-hmm. so that we could just kind of exemplify that. Like we could really bring it out. Yeah. And, and we gain so much. I want to see the best of my friends. 
I absolutely do. So yeah, <laughs> that's but where so how is the man <laughs> like? So they just you really think that that since you're in your zone of genius or excellence and, and, and <laughs> part of something you've tapped into something that's part of your passion that that's yeah inspiring your friends or or do you have like I think I wasn't afraid to show my work yeah you know so I've been I I would say. I get really excited about the Live in Portland show because I finally have a team. Yeah. The podcast, the clothing line, the video blog were all done by myself. And that was just me like trying to figure it out. And it didn't all, it wasn't pristine. It, it <laughs> like, I just wanted to get it out there. And, right. and same with the show. Like, I just wanted to get it out there. And I think a lot of my friends see the method in, in which I work. And they're like, he's willing to take chances. Yeah. And, you know, like he's going to go for the big goals and the progression. They like, and it's something, it's a drive in me. Like I constantly want to see this progress. It's obvious when you're on set, like, okay, this show's better than the last. This show's better than the last. <laughs> this show's, and, yeah. and we're moving into event venues uh, bigger spaces where we could sell tickets for the show. And I really want this to not only inspire my crew, not only inspire future me, mm -hmm. not only inspire the guests who are on the show, but think about a community where we're inspired by the creatives who want to create solutions. You know, like solution-oriented thinkers. Yeah. We can achieve so much more if if we just... Give the people who have ideas a chance. Totally. Yeah. Now, you said something that I happen to know is sort of a, like, I don't know if people are that aware of solution-oriented thinking yeah. in the process. I get to geek around talking about uh, linguistic specificity. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what did I just say? <laughs> so, the utilization of your language yeah. and, and solution-based solution thinking is the foundation Part of the foundation of the coaching model mm. is helping people begin to focus on their solutions rather than their problems. Yeah. Because it's if you're going to be putting your energy anywhere, putting your energy into solutions is better than putting your energy to problems. And a lot of people were, were taught in elementary school about the, the beloved red pen of oh, critique yeah. and yeah, yeah. what you did wrong. And I keep wondering what would happen if we shift as a society to, I don't know, a rainbow-colored multi-pen <laughs> that can go in. We should always have rainbow-colored multi-pens in everything we right? do. Yeah. Yes. What would our society be like if we were looking at something and we, we were able to quickly identify the things that are going well and, you know, the ideas that we could build upon and what our society would be, right, mm -hmm. like, be like? Because we get a lot of reward for critique and noticing the problems and seeing what's broken and seeing, no, it's not working. Mm -hmm. And we don't have a lot of practice necessarily. Maybe it's new schooling. I don't have children. So maybe new schooling is giving them the like rainbow markers and they're going. I don't think finding... that's the case. <laughs> no, our education systems needs a lot of help. That is yeah. the rumor. I did hear that. Rumor. Yeah. <laughs> like, I have friends, friends with kids. Yeah. But what, like, what happens when you begin to to, to focus on what you can do and or or begin to ask the question like how can I do this thing I have this goal and instead of thinking all of the things that are in the way mm -hmm. like what's what's working for me yeah and what what can I do forward so solution focus I remember when yeah. I was first getting my coaching there's actually a book 
think it might even be called solution solution focus or something like that. Okay. I remember you talked about that on, yeah. on your yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When did you find that idea? Well, I realized my relationships with thoughts that hindered me, that slowed me down. So whether it's jealousy or guilt or just kind of like self-denial, like I was afraid to see the greatness that I could become. Right. And I realized that there is a limit to how much mental energy you can exert. And I think it was it was amongst those daily videos. Mm-hmm. I discovered so much about myself that if I pursue the things that I want to and, and I hinder the limiting thoughts and I allow for solution-oriented thinking, I mean, I get just that. Like, I get closer to my goals with every thought, with every movement, with every action that I take. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm still developing it, but I become more efficient uh, in everything I do. So I, I remember there's a good story. Uh, my friend and I were heading out to Peru. And <laughs> like you do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> little little do, did I know that we were leaving actually the day before I thought we were leaving. Uh-huh. Uh, and it was an early flight. It was like a 6 a.m. flight. So my friend comes over to my house at like around 4. <laughs> and I thought she just went out that night. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm working on this podcast. Like, I'm going to get up and work on this podcast because I have crazy hours are you excited about tomorrow? And she's like, tomorrow? We got to get going today. We've got we've got like 40 minutes. <laughs> and my bags were not packed. Mm. And it was fun to hear her feedback on how I maneuvered throughout the, that time because it was, okay, I got to get this. I got to get this. I got to get this. I'm putting things in my bag very calmly. I'm checking around, you know, I'm making sure that I have everything. And she's like, Chris, most people I know would have just freaked out. Mm-hmm. They would have gave up. You know, they, they would have had all this panic. But I, I realized, like, I had no room for that. It, it was the tasks at hand need to be done. Yeah. And it was surreal to me, like, to have that feedback. Like, okay, that is how I approach things. I don't freak out. I, I, I address what's in front of me. And along with addressing fears, like addressing the things that kind of scare you the most will provide the biggest solutions to your life. Yeah. Yeah. So So do you think that's partly the athlete in you sort of trained around a clock differently than other people? I, I would assume a lot of my athletic background comes into play because there is this kind of grit, like kind of grinding my teeth and just going and, like when it comes to me in the gym, like it's finding this relationship with pain that allows me to go further. Same with the outdoors. I love to hike. I love to trail run. And I find that the moments I'm at my weakest and I just want to give up, if I just carry on a little bit longer, I get to my destination and it's absolutely worth it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like taking my limits to the next limit. I really enjoy that. I I really enjoy, you know, kind of like the day-to-day process of it. I miss that. I 
was never quite an endurance athlete. I mm-hmm. played soccer, basketball, and tennis. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a lot of sprinting yeah. in that. And when I learned that I needed to get lungs for soccer, yeah, I needed to learn how to be a, a, a longer distance runner. There was a couple times in my life where I was doing five miles like daily. Mm. And there's this thing that happens. And it's a beautiful practice of, and it hadn't hit it in any length of time that wasn't five miles. So there's yeah. something around like mile three. I mean, the, first, the all of the first mile is just really uncomfortable. Everything's jiggly and <laughs> yeah, vibrates yeah. the wrong kind of way. Totally. Things yeah. feel achy. And then somewhere around mile three, you're just like, why the fuck am I doing this? Yeah. There's like, there's like horrible thoughts that show up. And then mm-hmm. I don't feel I can go on. Something hurts in my body. And then mm-hmm. I just sort of ask it to shift. There's something that happens. There's some yeah. switch that flips. And, and when I've been running a while, it would go like this. It'd be like, remember how you thought about this yesterday at yeah. this point? This is what yeah. happens at 3.6 miles. Mm-hmm. This is how this works. I'm like, all oh, right, right. And then push beyond. And there's something that like mile four this like Gliding. euphoria comes yeah. over my body. The breathing is locked in. And then it's magic. And I almost could like run several more miles yeah. before I'm done. And then there's this beautiful, serene high that lingers all day long. Totally. Just yeah. cars could be blowing up next to me. <laughs> I'm just going, oh no. Yeah. Well, look at that arc. It's so delightful crash there's just like in the practice of that kind of hitting hitting those thresholds of 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 pain and oh no i can't go on anymore but then Mm -hmm. passing through them and you're and you're literally like limiting the amount of energy you could possibly give so if i had an amazing workout and somebody cut me off on the way home got no energy to have (laughs) that whole freak out it's just not in me anymore all that energy was expelled and there's a relationship that I learned with myself, with my subconscious. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of us in our day to day don't address our subconscious. The more we get into patterned routine, we're dealing with our subconscious less and less. And uh, so I, I do things like endurance runs and float tanks and just spending time by waterfalls where I could address the thoughts that are always running, yeah, but I don't pay attention to. And I think that's allowed me to progress in a fantastic way. I think it's fascinating that people actually think that they are who they think they are. <laughs> oh, I'm going yeah, 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 to yeah. explain that. But so the thing is, we think that we have conscious free will. We think mm-hmm. that we have the ability to just, you know, pick something and then do it. And I, I use unconscious because it's, it's a fun word mm-hmm. to say you're unconscious. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Like, wait, you mean my unconscious or am I unconscious? And it's kind of fun to plan on. So our subconscious, our unconscious mind does so many things for us. And there are so many strategies and patterns that we're living out that are, that are old. Mm-hmm. And people just, they think that the personalities we have, the egos that we've developed over the years, we think that that's us. Yeah. But what's more us are the, the underneath the, beliefs, the things happening underneath that we're not generally aware of. Absolutely. And there's a lot going on. Oh my gosh. Yeah. More of who we are. Yeah. Kind of all of who we are under there. When did you start learning? About the 
unconscious me. Yeah, <laughs> I I learned it when I read the Tim Galloway's Inorganic Game of Tennis when I was thirteen. Okay, I'm I'm familiar with that book. Yeah, yeah. you are or not? I'm unfamiliar. Oh yeah, yeah. So the the concept I was just trying to play tennis better and. One of the things that people do in tennis and golf is very common for people to just be like, I need to swing my swing like this. And they're trying to like use mm -hmm. their conscious mind to force the body into things or, or attempting to like calibrate whatever shitty shot that they did and then fix it by like, oh, I have to. And so Tim Galloway's book was kind of impressive for people back in the 70s when he put it out because he's like, you know, your body knows exactly what to do and it's way better at doing it than you are. Absolutely. in your unconscious mind that's how you learn to do the swing yeah. and so if you get out of the way totally so that's when i learned what there's this other me yeah 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 when did you start learning about it um i'd say i'm still in the process of it yeah. um i think right now i'm overcoming a lifetime of self-doubt mm -hmm. uh and self-consciousness and negative talk and those were all things that were happening in my subconscious that I needed to address. And one of the big breakthroughs for me was moving up to the Pacific Northwest and spending time by waterfalls as cliche or, or <laughs> you well, how, know. Or how not. was it that it, do you know why waterfalls? So I don't know why, I know what it does. Yeah. When I'm around waterfalls, uh, a lot of those negative thoughts cannot exist. It gives me a different mind space. And I try to like map that mind space as much as possible so that I can bring it back to the city, you know, when I'm not around the waterfalls. Yeah. Um, when I get really nervous or anxious, I'll take a deep breath similar to the breath I will take at a waterfall. I have this weird kind of thing that I do um, in my I, I, I like to believe whether it's true or not that I could breathe in deep by a waterfall and that air is somewhere deep in my lungs yes so when I get into the city and I'm kind of breathing at a faster pace and everything's going on that I could access that energy mm -hmm. wherever I am yeah. because it's deep in my lungs um, so <laughs> <That's brilliant. laughs> it, it, it reminds me to breathe you mm -hmm. know um, it, it reminds me to like, just take the time. Uh, I, I think I like to say I'm getting influence from just this ancient rock and water that's been operating in a similar way for millennia. Yeah. I get to communicate in a way and things like bills and, and like all the anxieties of a city, they don't matter there. Because you're thinking in a longer term, you're thinking about your presence on Earth. Like my last cable bill doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. So I think relationships with the Earth, with things that have been around for a very long time, you get a different mind space and perspective on what's important. When it comes down to it, my self-doubt isn't really important. My limiting beliefs aren't really important. What's important is what I'm going to leave this world with, yeah, you yeah. know, what I'm going to contribute to my community. So it's just one of those things that I just, I will always fight for. It's funny, I use the word fight, but I come from recognizing that I come from peace 
removed my self-doubt. Yeah. Uh, recognizing that my goal is to make this world better and I'm a constant student. I will always be learning, but I'll always do my best and keep on trying and overcoming these things that seem difficult. I know I could do a lot. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> what, one of the things you did intuitively, which I think is very beautiful, is you intuitively came up with something that is literally a technique that people oh, yeah? utilize <laughs> to help people shift their patterns and perspectives. And the t- term, it's called anchoring. Okay. So you have a good feeling. Mm-hmm. You're near a waterfall. You know that you have a good feeling there. Mm-hmm. And so that you connect with, connect with your breath, you connect with the energy of that and you take it in as deeply as possible. And so each time you go to a, a waterfall, you reinforce that anchor of that beauty. Yeah. And then when you need to feel the way that you feel when you're in that situation, you take the same breath. This is the same thing as when uh, on your free throw line. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. When you when you have a ritual around getting into the the motion so that every it's every shot is the same, that's anchoring. Interesting. It means that in heightened moments you can still access that very simple ritual and and and, and get there quickly. Yeah. So you like intuitively utilize something. Anchoring is something that Tony Robbins utilizes all the okay. time, getting people to switch their state and reconnect to their more joyful yeah. state. Yeah. And a lot of the people who do mindfulness and meditation teaching talk about how you can use nature as these metaphors to bring them totally. into your daily life. And yeah. so how you decided and figured out that you could just like <laughs> bring the waterfall home with you. Yeah. It's a gift. I mean, it's it's nothing less than a gift. And I think I think about, I mean, I've been sitting closed off. Yeah. I think about all the times I could open up myself to gifts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, it, and it's not a selfish thing, you know, we must be fed in order to give, yeah. you know, and finding those places where we can open up and just kind of be free and anchor, you know, yeah. like you said, I look for those opportunities um, because I know it's not always going to be that way. You know, uh, I, I know there's trials ahead. Yeah. And to keep that sound mind amongst the chaos is is a practice that I'm continually practicing and, and having that intuitive joy and happiness that lies within me. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's in me. Oh, like it, it, it's not come it's not coming from outside. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's something that I'm I've been generating for for a long time. I've I've been developing this relationship with happiness. Have you seen yeah. that cute little cartoon? <laughs> So like happiness, where'd you find it? And the, the like cartoon characters like I made this myself. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I have <laughs> seen that. I love you were, that. Like, uh, holding yeah. it like a jar, of, like this is mine. <laughs> yeah, it reminded me of that. Yeah, it, and that's exactly what it is. And 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 it's important that we all have that um, relationship with our happiness because at the end of the day, the journey is what's most important. And we're taking each day step by step. I think. Our goal is always happiness, but we could have that along with us the whole time. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. uh, what, whatever our circumstances, uh, bring our best to the table every single time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm having a thought keeps poking at me. So, yeah. so you've talked a bit about how you're driven. Are you willing to talk about what some of your 
Sorry, your juicy, <laughs> your juicy things you're reaching for and and driving oh. for because you've got this show. Yeah, you've, you've probably got a, a, a de- I don't know. Do you have a decent life? Things go pretty well for you. <laughs> things, <laughs> like it things, sounds like you're in a process. Things, things are going. Things are going well. Um, I uh, I look at my community, um, the people I have around me. Like you said, the the people working on set, my friend groups. I'm the most rewarded I've ever been in life. Mm. I have this, I have this quote by Bob Marley. Now I'm now I'm limited on on what it is, but essentially he's saying money is not the solution and money doesn't hold value when you don't have a good community. Right. And when I look at my community, I'm just fulfilled and enriched in so many ways. The the people around me, I, I have so much, like when they do good, when they're, they're achieving more, I just get so fulfilled and I don't think I would have had that mindset not moving to Portland. Really? Yeah. I, I think moving to Portland was a major factor in just kind of creating that paradigm shift that I'm not really after the financial goals. Like, I'm after the community goals. Yeah, yeah. And I'm finding myself so fulfilled by my community goals. Like, the people around me, I, I do it. I do it once a week. I bring mm-hmm. on... The people around me to the show so I could showcase how amazing my community is. Yeah, well, it's yeah. interesting. I, I keep reflecting on the fact that I love the desert. Mm-hmm. And there are a couple of cities in deserts. And I don't, I don't feel like I'm supposed to be there right now mm-hmm. because of the people who are here. Okay. There's this kind of energy and opportunities in the relationships with the kinds of people who live mm-hmm. in this area that I don't... I mean, we get a different set of people, certainly. Totally. Like, of course, whatever I'm looking for, I'm going to find. Yeah. And it's one of the things that I just feel there's just such this fruitful community here yeah. where more than other places, people are aware that, that there's not really such thing as competition. The more that Absolutely. we thrive together, we the, win the better. Together. We win together. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think about, like, I've always had this uh, concept of the Portland state of mind and bringing that all around the world that yeah. that was my concept with the uh, clothing line was and it's funny you know one of my friends brought one of the sweatshirts to Machu Picchu took a sweat took a picture yeah two years later I'm there in Machu Picchu same my brother was in Rome you know wearing the clothing line and I'm in Rome and it's it's kind of there's an energy we cultivate in Portland that I'd like to see spread yeah. I'd like to I'd like people to go to like Texas and Arkansas and, and New York and bringing this energy of non-competition, solution-oriented thinking. And I think there's concepts of community that we are building here. Mm-hmm. Maybe we aren't all privy to, but we are building something very special here on and how we interact as a community. And I'd love to see that spread. Absolutely. And, and I mean, Portland's not a huge city when it comes to the major uh, cities, on nope. the, even on the West Coast. Yeah. But its influence is wide. You know, I, I, I go to different places around the world and people know of Portland. And they have this concept of it uh, that comes from Portlandia. Now, have you been on that show? I have not. <laughs> okay, but, uh, I'm just kidding. But I think of, 
you know, how we progress past Portlandia. Okay, you know our quirks now. Yeah. You know, they, yeah. they, we, we have these comical quirks. Like, I think with Live in Portland, these are these quirks in action. Yeah. We're extreme hobbyists. We love what we do. We dive deep into it. But a lot of it is self-fulfilling, but it also fulfills the needs of our community. And so I really want to highlight that and, and normalize it. Yeah. Yeah. So when we think about like long-term goals, I want everybody to have pursue a creative endeavor. I think we could communicate better when we do that. Words are limiting. Sure. But when it comes to playing music, when it comes to building a business, you know, we get to like stretch ourselves out because, you know, creative writing is a useful tool. We, we get to see a little bit closer to our full potential. Yeah. And if we, as a community, strived to, to see our full potential, I think that impact on the world could be significant. I think what I noticed in the, in the shows that I got to be there in mm-hmm. the live audience, and one of the things that, that maybe, I don't know if I'm accomplishing it yet, in my, in my promise of this show, it's passion, purpose, and play. Yeah. I think one of the things that people pick up on, even from Portlandia, mm-hmm. and, and you're like, extreme hobbyists, this idea that we're taking things that, that give us pleasure, that we're excited about, and creativity and play, and we're making lives from that. Yeah. And there's a lot of playfulness in your show. There's a lot of playfulness in how you connect with the people mm-hmm. on the show. And that's one of the things that I've been reminding myself. So when I started incubating the idea to have this kind of a, a video show, mm-hmm. I knew two things. I'd done a lot of deep, deep work, and I knew that I was an incredibly serious person, and I, <laughs> I embraced that. Yeah. I had been in conflict with my, with my drive and how completely yeah. serious I am. And mm-hmm. once I recognized that I was an incredibly serious person, I could take play more seriously mm-hmm. because it was that important to me. It okay. shifted my thinking around why joy, fun, uh, silliness, those sorts of things can be good for yeah. for the community abroad. Yeah. I, I had a teacher, the first person who's in a, in a position of power and influence, the first person that I could tell was actually listening to the words that came out of his mouth when he was teaching and he was mm-hmm. living, living the message and he was so playful. Yeah. And I had permission then yeah. to take connection and comedy and, and playfulness more seriously because it's that important. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's part of the, the energy that Portland can offer the, the rest of the... And, and, it, and it's something that I have to address in myself all the time. I, I, I start and develop these, these creative endeavors and then I get really serious. And then, I'm, and then I realize like, Oh wait, that's not at all what this is about. This yeah. is supposed to be playful. I'm <laughs> I'm searching for things that make me go woohoo, right. you know, like this the joy is where that energy is. And and sometimes it takes a lot of like like uh working and 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 strategy and and being precise to make that happen, but I always have to take that breath of joy. Like cuz yeah. that's what it's about. Totally. And, yeah. I know we geeked out a little bit at it. Like, I, I was, I was confessing to you. Like, 
ah, I've got the show. I'm so excited about it. I get to talk to people. I love yeah. talking to people. And so now I sit alone at my computer editing yeah. video yeah. punched over, you know, yeah. and yeah, yeah, yeah. talking about like, wait, didn't I do this because it was fun? Mm -hmm. Like returning to that. And I know yeah. you came up with a solution. I know. Live show. Yeah. Shorten some of that. Yeah. So uh, with the podcast, that's what I would do as far as the editing goes. I would spend hours just listening to the same audio over and over again. But there's something I love about it. Yeah. Because you get to re refine the verbiage and what that person is saying. You take out the ums, the ahs, and you really you get this precision of what that person's intent was yeah. beyond the words. And I'm doing this to help. You know, when, when somebody comes on my podcast, I want to help. I'm really excited that they are in the fold and we can make that connection. Mm -hmm. And now we can work on that connection, you know, and, yeah. and get together on how we want to address the world. Totally. Do you have yeah. a strategy for returning to joy in those moments? I mean, it's as simple. I'm an actor. So <laughs> it, it's, it's as simple as like putting on the fake joy until it doesn't feel fake anymore. All right. And... I know that sounds silly, but we have to be silly. We have to be silly. Uh, if if we don't find our silliness, like there's there's just so much in the world that can take us over. So I feel like it's not bad to act happy until you get those muscles working. You know, it's training. You're building that relationship with happiness. Um, so you know, sometimes. We lift our five pound weights when we're starting to train again and we're like, oh, this doesn't feel like it's doing anything. And yeah. then later on, we're growing to bigger weights and then we could be more precise with how we move our muscles. I think the same goes for happiness. Got to learn how to move those muscles. I don't have anything to add to that. <laughs> That's pretty good. Moving your happiness muscles. <laughs> right on. Well, now, is there anything that you want... Uh... Any of the people that came came to play and hear us to, to know about your world that they may not know already? Yeah. Well, I mean, I would say live in Portland. It's where I'm putting all my passion into. Yeah. It's what I really want to see grow. I'm excited about everything we're doing. We're, I think Portland having its own late night talk show, like a Jimmy Fallon type show. Ah. Uh, right now, as we speak, we're working on episode 13 and uh, we've done it consecutively every Monday for 13 weeks with an awesome crew. And we're bringing in amazing people like you. And the city's got a whole lot of talent. And I'm excited to showcase that. And we haven't even scratched the surface on the things that we can do. Heck yeah. So I'm excited. Live in Portland, uh, which premieres every Monday at 9 on the Lost in Portland Facebook page. That's Lost the letter N, Portland. Yes. Uh, you could also keep up on lostinportland.com. That's lost, the letter N, portland.com. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Well, thanks yeah. for coming to hang out with me and play. Love it. Yep. Thank you. This is awesome. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yay! We, we made this thing happen. We did it. <laughs> You're making a face. I usually introduce my name, and then I say I'm here with, and I gesture, then they get the responsibility of doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> cool. All right. Hi, I'm Adrienne Gunn, still, and I'm here with my new friend. Hi, I'm Chris Franklin of Lost in Portland and host of Live in Portland. Boom! Yeah! Just in time. <laughs> Got that in. Shocker. <laughs> well, that's how that went. 
<laughs> Thanks for joining us on this episode. Thanks for watching, listening, I don't know, reading, imbibing, however you took this in. Thanks for being here. And if you really enjoyed it, I'd, I'd love it if you would do all of the things. Uh, like, share, I don't know, ring a bell, bang a gong, tell a friend, and come back next time. I hope you had as much fun as I have.